0: Amen. Amen. Good morning. Good to see all of you this morning. Great worship as always, and uh, the songs just go so well with the message this morning. Hey, uh, every once in a while, I just have a lot of announcements I need to get through, and uh, I apologize for that, but I'd rather do them now and just let the Holy Spirit have the end of the service instead of coming back to these announcements. Let me uh, make a couple for uh, our church and our men. Uh, The Oasis Men's Retreat is April the 8th and 9th at Top of the World. And uh, so, uh, guys, that's always a very special weekend for all of you. Uh, Please don't forget about that and talk to Woody and sign up. And then our church is going to be part of the Harvest America Greg Laurie Uh, Rally and and, uh, festival out at University of Phoenix Stadium, June 11th, uh, this coming summer. Uh, So uh, I know Mark Carlson is sort of heading that up, and if you have any questions, we'll certainly let you know more about that. Wednesday night, I love the turnout on Wednesday night that we've been having, and uh, we just hope that that continues And this Wednesday, we're going to be talking about one of my favorite subjects, the Bible. And um, we're going to be talking about why the Bible is the Word of God. If someone was to ask you, why do you know the Bible is God's Word, that you can trust it, that you can believe it, what answer would you give? We're going to talk about that Wednesday night, so we hope that many of you will come out for that. As you know, we are approaching time of breaking ground over there at Greenfield and Queen Creek. Uh, but there's a lot that we want to try to accomplish and there's a lot that we need to do as a church, not only spiritually to get prepared, but even physically. So let me share with you a couple of things that I think we have landed on at this point. The first Sunday of March... March the 5th, after the morning service, for any of you that would like to be a part of this, we're going to go over to the property after the service and have a time of prayer, praying over that plot of ground. Uh, Obviously, you can stay as long as you want, but we just would like to get as many people over there and have a time of prayer over that property before we break ground. So that's March the 5th. Then the first Sunday of May. May the 7th, we are going to attempt to get everybody over there, as many that can, and we'd like everybody if we could, after the morning service, so that we could get a picture of everybody on the property again before it gets to the point where it doesn't look like that anymore. Um, So a lot of those things we want to take care of. But also know this, that because of your generous giving, we... were have been able to pay cash for the property and can start to build back up our building fund once again. We're also looking to be able to borrow a small amount of money as well. But even with that, that doesn't cover all the expenses that this building is is going to present to us. So I am just coming to you today again, asking you if you have already given to the building in some way, thank you. That's between you and God. But if you haven't at this point, I would like you, if you're part of the Oasis, to consider what would God want you to do as part of helping us with our building fund and the financial aspect of this. There's a spiritual aspect of this, and we're taking care of that even right now. But there's also obviously a a physical, uh, you know, financial, uh, all of that. And part of that is, you know, the raising of funds. And we don't talk about money hardly at all at the Oasis, and yet it is a reality. And so, again, we thank you all for your generous giving and uh, just ask you, between you and God, what would that look like for you as far as helping us to get to that place so that we can even expand our ministry and teach the Word and teach, lead people in worship of God in in a greater way. Uh, way. And then uh, we have many new people who are coming to the Oasis. And again, as I said last week, we would love to get to know you better and allow you to get to know us. And we'd like you to be a part of sort of just a fellowship. And I I wanted to say this last week and I forgot. I promise you that if you come to this, this is not a test. This is not, oh my goodness, I'm going to come and and Pastor Jeff's going to grill me. Uh, he's going to want to know how much Bible I know. and all I got. No, not that at all. It is literally, we want you to come and relax and just have a time of just getting to know us and maybe some other new people here at the church and just to hang out together. Nothing intimidating about it. That's not who we are at the Oasis. So leave all of those type of thoughts away. Uh, we have tentatively planned that for Saturday night, March the 11th. Uh, at a home here in Chandler and we'll let you know more about that and maybe you've even been coming to the Oasis for a while you go well I've never I've never really been able to ask Pastor Jeff some questions or I'd like to get to know you know he and Lisa and some of the other people the church better too you're more than welcome to come just email us at the email address or see my wife Lisa and we would love to make you a part of that evening You know, I need to reset my mind at this point. So can we pray again? Lord, I pray this morning that we would see the immensity of Jesus Christ. That Lord, we would realize through your word and through the working of your spirit That Jesus Christ doesn't fit into any of our boxes. That Jesus Christ, you do not fit into any of our categories. In fact, you defy all categories that we would ever put you in. You are greater than we could ever imagine. And I pray today, God, that we would see you in that way. I pray, God, that this morning we would hear you in a very clear way this morning. And that we would see you, God, like never before. Fill me, God, as your vessel this morning so that you can use me to glorify Jesus. And may this time we spend here today at the Oasis not just be a time of checking off a box in our life, of fulfilling our religious duty, if you will, but may today be a life-changing encounter with the living God. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Mark's Gospel, chapter 6, verse 52, is where I'd like to begin this morning. In the passage we're going to look at this morning, and it's a pretty big one, it goes from the end of chapter 6 almost to the end of chapter 8. We have the great physician, Jesus Christ, testing the health of our hearts. Testing the health of our ears and testing the health of our eyes this morning. And Jesus is not giving us a physical examination as much as a spiritual examination. He wants to show us where our hearts, our ears, and our eyes are spiritually in relationship to him. the reason that this examination, even at this point in the gospel of Mark, was necessary, let's be reminded that the purpose of Mark's gospel is to evoke from all those who come in contact with this gospel a lasting response in word and deed to the true identity of Jesus Christ. The true identity of Jesus Christ. And yet up To this point in the Gospel of Mark, even those who were following Jesus and following him closely still weren't getting it, if you will. In fact, you remember from last week that we had just got done sharing how Jesus had fed thousands of people with five loaves and two fishes. You know the very familiar story from the Bible. And yet I want to direct your attention to a verse that we just touched on last week, but I wanted to start with this morning, and that's in chapter 6, verse 52, where it says after that, that you know, Jesus was then walking on the water to his disciples on the boat because they were struggling, and they still really didn't get who Jesus was because of their reaction to him When he was walking towards them on the water. And the Bible says this. Because they did not understand about the loaves. The miracle that Jesus did because their hearts were hardened. Think about it. The Bible is basically saying even those who were following Jesus closely weren't getting it like they should. The experiences that they were having with Jesus Christ was not really benefiting them and profiting them and moving them forward spiritually in their understanding and comprehension and grasp of who Jesus was because of the condition of their hearts. And then, if you come over to chapter 8, you see this again. At the beginning of chapter 8, you have another miracle that Jesus is going to do of feeding thousands of people. So this is different from the feeding he did earlier. And all these people had flocked to hear Jesus teach. And he even turns to his disciples and say, you know, guys, I feel bad because many of these people, they've been days without food. And if I send them home now... Many of them are going to faint on their way back home. Jesus is even concerned about the low blood sugar of people. He doesn't want to see these people who have, in a sense, taken days out of their life to come and hear him teach the word, faint on their way back home. So he says, we need to give them something to eat. And look at what the disciples say in verse 4. Where can someone get enough bread in this desolate place to satisfy these people? Really? You're looking at Jesus Christ, right? The one who just got done a few days earlier, feeding thousands of people with loaves and fishes. You've seen him walk on water. You've seen him raise the dead. You've seen him speak to the winds and the waves, and they become. You've seen and experienced all these things, and you're looking at him going, yeah, I don't know what we're going to do, Jesus. I don't know what we're going to do. Instead of looking at Jesus, Jesus, you're the answer. You can do this, right? No. Where are we going to get so much food? And then, of course, Jesus says, what do we got again? And they say, well, we got seven loaves of bread and he feeds thousands of people again with just seven loaves of bread. When you drop down to chapter 8, verse 11, the Pharisees, the religious leaders of Israel, come out to Jesus and basically, again, begin questioning him. And they say they're always looking for a sign. And Jesus is saying, why is this generation always looking for a sign instead of truth? Because signs do not save or deliver or rescue any of us. Faith does. And Jesus is simply pointing out here that you have all the signs. I've given you signs. You're just not getting it. You're not looking for the truth in the signs. And no amount of signs on their own is going to help anybody. That's why Jesus didn't just do miracles for miracles sake. Because all the miracles in the world that even these people were witness to didn't benefit or profit them because of the condition of their hearts, the condition of their ears, and the condition of their eyes. Which is why you see that the end of verse 17 of chapter 8 and the beginning of verse 18 of chapter 8, Jesus asks these questions, seeking to arouse faith in those who are following him. He says, do you still not see or understand? Have your hearts been hardened? Though you have eyes, don't you see? And though you have ears, can't you hear? And to me, those are the key verses that this whole passage is based on. Jesus is, in a sense, questioning the spiritual health of these people's hearts, the spiritual health of their ears, and the spiritual health of their eyes. They simply aren't getting it. And when you think about this, it's sort of sobering. Because it reminds us that as followers of God, that you and I can encounter God and experience God and have experiences with God and see him move and work in unbelievable ways all around us and never be changed. It never makes a difference. It's what we call selective retention. Living today as though we didn't experience what we did yesterday. That's the way his followers were at this point. They had experienced all these amazing things and yet they were living today as if they never had that experience. They never had that encounter with God. They never saw the things they saw. They never heard the things that they heard. Their hearts simply weren't grasping, comprehending and understanding these things on the level that they should have been. And that's why Jesus says, are your heart's heart? Do I have your heart? Are your eyes really seeing perceiving, discerning the things that it should? How about your ears? Are they really hearing me? So with that, as I said, the great physician takes this passage and the things that happen here, that's recorded here, to test the health of their hearts, their ears, and their eyes. And I want to look at these for just a few moments this morning. If you go back to chapter 7, at the beginning of chapter 7, Again, the religious leaders continue to nitpick at Jesus and his followers. And they come up to Jesus and basically question him and say, Why aren't your disciples, your followers, going through the ritual washings that are traditional in our religion? Now again, it's not that the disciples were being unhygienic. Like, ooh, they didn't wash their hands after they did certain things, before they ate. No, these washings that they're talking about here, clearly if you read the first several verses of chapter 7, were ritual cleansings. They were, they were ceremonial washings. They were part of the Jewish tradition that was made by men, not commanded by God. And Jesus takes this opportunity to say in verse 6 and in verse 7, as he quotes Isaiah the prophet, This people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. They worship me in vain. Whoa. It means to me as God, all their worship is meaningless, it is empty, it's not worth anything. Why? Because I don't have their heart. This people have become very good at checking off all the religious boxes of their life. They know how to, to talk the talk, if you will, They know how to go through all the ceremonial, outward, external things. All the superficial things they've got down. And to anyone, outwardly, they look spiritual. But Jesus says, I don't have their heart. They've never given me their heart. That's why religion, if you will, is such an abomination to God. Because religion is man's attempt to reform himself from the outside in. So he tries to again do what these people were doing in Jesus' day. It had nothing to do with the heart. It had everything to do with all the external things. All those religious-y things that we can do. All the religious-y things that we can say. But our heart's not really with God. And, and God is saying here, he, he's saying, I don't care about that. That doesn't mean anything to me. God is all about transformation or transforming us from the inside out. And that starts at the heart level. Because God says, if I have your heart, then all those external things, they'll start taking care of themselves. Which is why in chapter 7 he goes on to say, you're so worried about the things you put in your body and the foods you eat and all that kind of stuff. He says, that doesn't mean anything. All that does is go into your stomach. He said, that's not the issue. Jesus basically saying the heart of the problem is the problem of the heart. And our behavior doesn't regulate our heart Our heart drives our behavior. And so Jesus says, if you and I would just give him our heart and pay attention to our heart and let God do an operation on our heart and let him change our heart, because God's the only one that can change our heart. And some of us need our heart changed this morning. Some of us need God to do an operation on our heart. We've got to quit trying to check off all the boxes and quit trying to just get You know, all the externals, right, and just give God once and for all our heart. Because our worship is in vain unless God has our heart. All the singing that we do, all the raising of hands, and all those things are wonderful. But they mean nothing to God if God doesn't have our heart first. All the service and ministry that we do. God could really care less about if in that service and ministry, he doesn't have our heart. They honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And so God is testing the health of our heart. And basically saying... Do I have your heart? Do I really have your heart? Or is there something I need to do? Some operation spiritually I need to do at that level. Some change that needs to take place. Then over in chapter 7 verse 31. We come to a miracle that is only found in the book of Mark. And then we're going to look at another one only found in the book of Mark this morning. This is where we see Jesus testing the health of someone's ears. I'm sorry, these stories just are very, um, they get me emotional. I guess because I've, I've been immersed in these stories for weeks now. And I, I, I I want you to see some of the things that God showed me in these stories. And don't go too fast because we miss something when we do. The Bible says in Mark 7:31, then Jesus went out again from the region of Tyre and came through Sidon into the Sea of Galilee, into the region of the Decapolis, and they brought to him a deaf man who had difficulty speaking. We'll come back to that in just a few moments. Literally, in the original, a stammerer. And obviously, if someone is deaf and can't hear, they'll obviously have problems speaking as well. And notice the Bible says, they asked him, Jesus, to place his hands on him. Now, notice what Jesus does. Jesus, first of all, took this man aside privately away from the crowd. Jesus was not a grandstander. Jesus was not about promoting, in a sense, myself just to get a big crowd and a big following. Jesus was never about that. That means nothing to Jesus. Jesus is about meeting us, each of us individually, where we are and entering into our life and ministering to us on a one-on-one level. And sometimes, listen, Jesus sometimes can minister to us in crowds, but also there are times where ministry has to take place one-on-one with Jesus. You know, there have been many people even today in ministry and and Christians that go, Jesus missed an opportunity here. Taking this man away privately and just doing this. by." Oh man, he missed a promotion here. No. Because Jesus doesn't care about drawing crowds and all the mass hysteria that was going on around him. That was never what Jesus was about. Jesus is about meeting us where we are. And taking care of the needs in our life if we're open to him. And he's still like that today, my friends. He wants to meet each of you right where you are. And meet your needs. And bring healing and wholeness into your life. And then the Bible says that Jesus took him aside, privately away from the crowd. Put his fingers in the man's ears. And after spitting... He touched his tongue. Ew! The germaphobes among us are riling up. Like, oh, Jesus, I don't know. You were spitting and, oh, touching. Yeah, I I think Jesus, some of the things that he did, you know, we would have probably been a little uncomfortable with. But here's, here's part of why Jesus did that. Remember, this man can't hear. And this man doesn't know sign language. This man maybe can't even read lips. So Jesus wanted to very visually show this man what was happening and going to happen to him. He literally wanted to enter into his world. That's the kind of God that we have. He is so moved with compassion that he's willing to enter into our world and minister to us at that level. And the Bible says then, notice, he looked, verse 54, up to heaven. It was as if he was saying to this man who was deaf, this is, this is where your healing is coming from. This is heaven coming down to you. And even Jesus, the God-man was acknowledging here that I'm looking to my father here at this point. It's just amazing what was happening here. And then the Bible says that as he was getting ready to speak, it also said, he said with a sigh. This word speaks about the deep emotion that Jesus is having here as he's ministering to this deaf man. It's as if Jesus is saying, this should not be. This this condition of this man is not the way we designed it to be. This is not who I, the Creator, created it to be. Things like deafness and all of these things are the result of sin coming into this world. But this is not the way God designed it to be. And then the Bible says he spoke. And he says to this man in Aramaic, Be opened. Do you think the man heard those words? Can you hear the voice of Jesus today? Because Jesus, like physically wanting to open up this man's ears, was using this again as an illustration. It was so much more than just a physical miracle here. Jesus was teaching in this passage on the health of hearts and now the health of ears. Are your ears open? Do you hear my voice? Are you truly getting what I'm saying to you? And can you drown out all the other voices and messages coming into your life? And can you, as one of my sheep, truly hear me speaking to you? Because it's so important that we do. Because so many people have a spiritual hearing problem. It's like they're listening, but really not listening. We're not really getting it as we should, which is why Jesus said later on, you have ears, but I don't think you're hearing because it's not the physical ear problem. There's something else going on. And immediately the man's ears were opened and notice this, his tongue loosened and he spoke plainly. There's another miracle. Not just that Jesus opened up the man's ears, but now gave him the ability to immediately be able to speak after really never being able to even hear or speak well. What would have normally taken years of speech rehab therapy to be able to get to that point, Jesus gave him the ability to speak. Why? Because Jesus is also giving us an illustration that what he wants to do in our lives is remove anything and everything that keeps us from worshiping him and praising him. You see, in heaven there will be no one who has difficulty speaking. There will not be anyone who has difficulty hearing or seeing, or anything, all those bears, there will not be fear anymore, because many times, even amongst God's people, the reason we don't worship God as we should, the reason even maybe we don't sing out like we should, and praise Him like we should, is because of fear. All that will be gone. When you and I get to heaven, oh, we're going to worship and praise God, and there's nothing going to hold us back. Nothing. Because God's going to remove anything and everything that holds us back from worship and praising him now will be gone. Gone. You see in this miracle the hand of the creator fashioning and refashioning his fallen creation in this deaf man. And then notice the response of the crowd. Don't miss this. First of all, Jesus ordered them in verse uh, 56, or I'm sorry, 36. Jesus ordered them not to tell anything. But the more he ordered them not to do this, they proclaimed it all the more. They didn't listen to Jesus. And again, many of us look at that and go, why does Jesus not want them to go out and tell everybody what he's doing? Because again, Jesus was never about creating some kind of hysteria around him. Because Jesus understood if these people get a hold of me, it's not going to be about making sure that I follow my father's will and get to the cross and die for sins, which is ultimately why I came. It's going to be trying to prop me up as a political figure to rival the Roman emperor and the Roman government, because all they care about is overthrowing their Roman oppressors. They really don't care about God coming into their life. So Jesus was never about the big crowds and the hysteria because he knew the heart of people and why they really wanted to elevate him. It wasn't to accept him as their savior and Lord. It was so that they could use him to get out of the situation that they were in. So the Bible says this, verse 37. The people were completely astounded literally it means they were at a loss at what they observed they were in awe and wonder oh that you and i would be more in awe and wonder of jesus now maybe it's because we don't have faith enough to see him working and so There's very little for us to be in awe and wonder about because we just don't believe like we should. And therefore, we don't see the supernatural and the miraculous and all the things that God wants to do in and through us. But if we do believe, then there's always going to be things that should leave us sort of our mouths just hanging open going, Wow, God, I can't believe you. I can't believe what you're doing. Because when we're open to God in this way, this is what will happen. And then the Bible says this, they said he has done everything well. One of the ways you and I can sort of get in touch with what the words mean even to a, a greater depth is, especially in the New Testament, is to find, is there anywhere else in the New Testament where this word is used? It's not. It's the only time this word is used. But in the Septuagint, the Greek translation of the Old Testament, this word was used by translators in, guess where? Genesis 1.31. Where after God had created everything, he looked out at his creation and he says, everything was very good. See... The Bible is even recognizing that these people recognize that Jesus makes things good. Jesus makes things beautiful, which is why Solomon writes in the book of Ecclesiastes in an appropriate time, God makes everything beautiful in its time. Because that's who God is. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. God wants to open up our ears. He wants to loose our tongues. He wants to heal our hearts. And then over in chapter 8, verse 22, another miracle that is peculiar to Mark's gospel alone, not found in any other. The Bible says this, Then they came to Bethsaida. They brought a blind man to Jesus and asked him to touch him. And he took the man by the hand and brought him again outside the village. Then he spit on his eyes, placed his hands on his eyes, and asked, Do you see anything? And regaining his sight, he said, Well, I see people, but. They look like trees walking. Now, a couple things. First of all, that that tells us this man was not always blind. When he did regain, start to regain his sight, he he understood what he was seeing. So there's that part. But then there's the part of, why didn't he just immediately see, like other times where Jesus just healed somebody immediately? Because again... It wasn't about just doing a miracle. There was always a purpose. There was always a teaching. There was always a principle behind every miracle and healing that Jesus ever did. And the same is true here. So then the Bible says that Jesus placed his hands on the man's eyes again. And he opened his eyes and his sight was restored and he saw everything clearly. Well, it's not because Jesus couldn't have healed him immediately to begin with. So why this two-stage healing? Because Jesus wanted to show everyone around him something. That many of the people who were following him now weren't seeing him clearly. After all that they had seen, they saw the waves obey him. They saw the wind listen to him. They saw a dead girl raised from the dead. They they saw him healed deaf people and and all of these different things they saw him walking on the water but they still weren't grasping comprehending understanding who he really was just like this man it was like they were seeing but it was sort of foggy sort of cloudy i don't see everything clearly yet And that's why then Jesus comes back and then goes, now I'm going to touch you again, because Jesus wanted to show that it is only through my touch and my ministry to your spiritual eyes that you can really see me for who I am and see what I have for you and see my will for your life and understand things from my perspective. It's only from the touch of Jesus that we truly can see. Have we allowed Jesus to touch our spiritual eyes so that we are seeing things as he sees them? Have we allowed him to touch our ears so that we hear the things as he is saying them? And have we allowed him to touch our hearts so that our hearts are aligned with his? Then the Bible says here, Jesus sent him home saying, do not even go into the village. Now, this is for a little bit different reason. Because of Bethsaida was a place where Jesus did a lot of miracles already. And Jesus was basically saying to this man, don't go back to them. They have received great light from me and they have not responded. Therefore, there will be no more light given to them. That's the way God works. If God comes and shows his light and we refuse it and we reject it, then God says, I'm not going to give you any more light until you respond to the light you've already been given. And to these people, there has already been much light, much truth given to them and they simply have not responded because their ears and their eyes and their hearts are spiritually unhealthy. But I want to go back to something this morning that to me is so precious. I want to go back up to verse 23 of chapter 8. Notice what the Creator, no one greater than Jesus ever, our Savior, notice what he did to this blind man. He comes over to this blind man and he takes him by the hand. When you hold somebody's hand, there's there's an intimacy there. There's a connection there. And Jesus, the Bible says, literally took this blind man's hand. Because obviously he couldn't see where he was going. And he led him, the Bible says, out of the village. Jesus wanted to lead this man to the place where his miracle would take place. And Jesus, Jesus wants to do the same thing This morning to some here in this auditorium, Jesus is saying to you, I I want to take you by the hand and I want to lead you to where your miracle takes place. I want to do something supernatural. I I, I want to lead you to a place where you can be healed and where you can be whole again. I want to lead you and I will take you by the hand. Will you follow me? Will you take me by the hand and let me lead you to that place? And I think that's the question for all of us this morning. Will we allow ourselves to take Jesus by the hand and let him lead us to where he wants to? To a place where he can heal our hearts he can heal our ears he can heal our eyes he can give us greater understanding and insight into who he is and how he works and how he operates and what he has for us so that we make sure that we don't miss a thing god wants to do that with us as a church see that's why we're in this season before we ever build that building Because buildings mean nothing to God. Again, all of that is just brick and mortar. It means nothing to God. Any more than our religious stuff means anything to God if our heart is not God's. And God is preparing his people here to make sure that we are at a place that when that move finally happens... That it's never going to be about buildings and anything external and anything superficial. Those things are going to be nice and they're they're going to give us opportunities to minister in ways that we can't right now here at Basha High School. But it will never be more important than making sure that we as a people have the spiritual heart, the spiritual ears, and the spiritual eyes to be able to see God hear God, and know God. Let's stand. As our worship team comes, let's close in prayer. God, I pray today that we would not be here today just to check off a box, just to go through Well, that's what I need to do on Sunday morning is go to church. That's good. But it's all about the spiritual health of our hearts, our eyes, our ears. Making sure, God, that we truly hear you, see you, and know you as we should. And God, you have shown yourself so greatly there's nothing you can't do there's nothing too difficult for you you just ask us to trust you to take you by the hand and let you lead us to the place where our miracle something supernatural some change some healing some wholeness can be experienced by us with you, God. And so I pray today that there would be some folks here in this auditorium who feel the need to do that, who feel the desire from you to do that, and who have the faith enough to come and say, God, I want to take you by the hand this morning and let you lead me to my place, God, that you have for me. These things we pray in Jesus' name.